Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit LeiaHealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Let's talk about this. We all fall into uh, patterns of behavior, but when it's not working for you, you've got to make a change because nobody is going to do it for you. But my next guest might have just the thing to help you. Mark Fennell is a life coach who is sharing a lot of his tools, tools of the trade, in his new book. It's called Breakthrough. It's here in front of me. And there's a lot of great tips in here. Uh, Mark, you're very welcome to the show. Hello. Me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you want to take off the headphones? I'm not going to play any clips and they're going to wreck your head okay. uh, in literally two <laughs> minutes. Um, okay, so let's talk about this. How would you define someone as being stuck? Yeah, I think there's two types of stuck. There's stuck for because something happened. Maybe you're going through life, whether it's a divorce, a diagnosis, a job loss, or just something has changed. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other type of stuck where we just, we're going through life. There's nothing cataclysmic, but there's just, we come to a place of losing our spark. And so we're in a place of feeling like, you know what, I'm going through life. I'm coasting. I'm, I'm maintaining everything. Things are okay, but I've just, what's the point of it? Where am I at? Lacking direction. So there's kind of those two kind of types okay. of stuff that we start with, really. Okay. Uh, you were stuck yourself a while back. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I suppose my story was I was stuck pretty bad. I'm, I burn out, basically, at one point. I never struggled with a thing called anxiety. And then next thing, anxiety comes along. They're wanting to put me on medication and see people and so forth. And I said, hang on, let me just get, gather my thoughts in this. And it was bad. It was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And it was a difficult kind of year and a half, two years. I never went on the medication or done those things. I put my coach hat on and kind of said, well, if I got into this, maybe there's a way I can get out of this. And what if I could figure it out? Maybe it could help a lot of people. And that was the first time I ever found stuck where the battlefield was my mind, essentially. The rumination, catastrophic thinking. I basically developed health anxiety because what happened to me, the long and the short of it was, I collapsed in the gym and due to the symptoms, I was treated for a heart attack. Now, when you're in your 20s, that blows you out of the water because in your 20s, you think you're bulletproof. You don't think that'll never happen to me. So that was pretty cataclysmic. And yeah, I got very stuck in my head. For wow. Mm. So that's how the anxiety presented itself. Basically, it's like, hey, it's like, hi, here gym, I am. Here I am. Let me ruin your life. Did it take you, you said a year and a half. Did it take yeah. a year and a half to figure out how to deal with it? It took me, because I mean, look, some people say you, you made it more harder than you, than you ought to because, you know, you didn't go see people. You didn't do medication. I'm not against those things. Yeah. But, but I just felt, what if I could, and because I was a coach, I said, what if I could coach myself? So what I did was I saw myself like a client. Now, that's incredibly difficult mm-hmm. when anxiety is over. Like it's So you difficult. were a life coach when this happened? Yeah, I was, I was yeah. Business coaching, yeah. Your business coaching, yeah. okay. And so I was dealing basically with high performance. So sure. I was used to dealing with people going through stuff, but I'd never seen this. Now, this is a long time ago yeah. where mental health wasn't a conversation. And if someone had anxiety, that oh, he struggles with his nerves. Mm. That's all it was ever said. Mm-hmm. So there was no nothing out there. You couldn't Google stuff, essentially. It was, it was quite a while ago. But I figured it out and... I never struggled with anxiety ever again after normal anxieties, but not like where it took over or affected me. And it was like this amazing light bulb that went off and I went, it can be fixed. Oh, my goodness. And with the right tools and the right approach. So I always said, if I ever write a book, that'll be a part of it. Now, it's only one chapter in the book, um, but because the book is filled with stories of people who've gotten stuck in many ways, mentally, emotionally, all sorts of things. Yeah. And then the tools that they use to get out that I've worked with over the last kind of 20 years or okay. so. Okay. Why is the question, how are you? Such an important yeah. base for your work with clients. Why is yes. that? Well, you know, I always think if it's going to be good, if it's simple and it's good, it'll work. Yeah. So keeping life simple. Because, you know, we can overcomplicate things and we can get all kind of, I so go too deep on things. But keep it simple. So I always start with, you know, how are you? But I'll always start with, well, how are you really? 
after you get past it, I'm grand, weather's good, things are grand. Mm -hmm. After you get past all the fluffy bits, I say, but how are you really? And I always say our emotions are like a blip on a radar. You know, they tell us things. Emotions are information. And if you can use that right, you'll be surprised that, you know, quality of life can improve for yourself. But let's just ask ourselves open and honestly and not even asking someone, asking ourselves, now, how am I really? Am I actually happy? Now, no one's happy every day of the week, but am I happy for the most part? And I always use the word contentment is more a much better target than the word happy. And when you find contentment, you'll have your stress moments and difficult challenges but contentment is an overall going you know but I'm happy out where things are at yeah even though there's some things I don't like mm -hmm. and that's what we should aim for and happiness follows contentment you know now again I keep it real I'm not one of these uh, optimists you know I'm I'm a, a realist optimist the glass is half full but I'm also aware it's half empty mm -hmm. so you know let's keep it real and I always think that's the best way to approach things um you know, I work with people from all sorts of, you know, backgrounds and so forth, from the CEOs to the person who's just had kids and trying to find themselves again. Mm. And the, there's patterns. And that's what I try to put in between the pages of the book and say, look, let's keep it real. But this is what works for folks. This question, it's funny, not mm. scares me, but it's an interesting one, because once that's established, how are you really? How are you really? You ask people, who are you? Yeah, this is massive. And this is around what well, I use the word identity. Because a lot of us, we don't know exactly what we stand for, where we're going or who we are. Because here's why. Sometimes we are defined who we are because of our job. Yeah. And then what happens is people, the person retires at 65 and they don't know who they are anymore. Or a person is by their accolades or by their achievements and they say, well, that's who I am. No, that's a part of who you are. But who are you really? And what that is, is what are, should we say, the things in life that give you a sense of purpose, a sense of direction? And our purpose can change, you know, different times. If you've just had a child, your purpose is parent right there and then, and that's for a period of time. But we can be multifaceted. We can have multi-purposes. But sometimes we negate those things and we are who people say we are or who the job says we are or who, who our past says we are. Do many people give you an answer for that? I, I, it's quite a difficult question or they it give is. you, like, not the wrong answer. But do many people think about that? Like, Great I just read question. it there and I'm like, Most people oh, don't. Who, who am I? Well, let who me give I? you an example, right? There's three, three versions of Jennifer that exist mm -hmm. at every given moment. The past Jennifer, the current, present and the future Jennifer. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same for us all. So if we ask ourselves, who am I? Well, here's what I would say. Supposing I could delete everything that happened up until yesterday. Oh, great. That'd be lovely. Right? All the bad yeah. stuff, right? Wouldn't mm -hmm. that be great? Yeah. yeah. If I could bottle that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You know, like Men in Black where they had the zapper, right? So yeah. anything negative ever said to you, done to you, hurtful, all that stuff was, and all you had was the lessons and the wisdom that you had. So everything was good and good memories. Who would you be in the future? And now take a pen, so speak, you know, virtually. Yeah. But now define, well, who are you going to become if you've no past negativity to base it on? you'd be surprised at the potential you can reach in life. And that's mm -hmm. what I do with people. We, we change the story. We change the inner narratives. And we say, well, how far can you go? It's all about, at the end of the day, feeling fulfilled and finding contentment. And if we work on who we are, it's amazing how high you can go, a lot further than most people can estimate. You say it's really important to find your spark. Yeah. Is that like finding your joy? The what that, brings yeah. you joy, really? The thing that lights you up. Yeah. Right. You know the thing that you do, you lose track of how long you've been doing it because you love doing it so much. You mm. forget to have lunch because you love doing it so much. Yeah. What's the thing that lights you up? Well, that's the thing that you may not cannot may not be able to do it every single day, but that's the thing we should make sure that is a part of our life. Because when you take that away, there's a story, Chloe, and a lot of people relate to Chloe because she had everything. She said, everyone's telling me about be gratitude and you know be grateful. And she said, I am grateful, but I don't feel fully happy. Mm. And I said, when was the last time you were happy? And she said, oh, it was about, we talked about it obviously over a period of time. Long story short, it was 15 years ago when she was helping people. And she said, I need to be helping people to have my spark because that's what tops me up. And it's different for everybody. 
And sometimes we need to connect into that spark because you know what? Sometimes we all say oh, money doesn't bring you happiness. Okay, it makes life easier for sure. But really, if you are doing the things you love, yeah, you forget about a lot of the things. You know? And not even on a grand no, scheme no. like that. Like finding spark, I suppose, we tend to forget about that during the week or go, oh, I'll do something for me on Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, not my Sunday mornings, but you know, on any, like I try and go, well, what is going to give me a little spark today? Is it hiding yeah. from my family and going to get my nails done? Or is it, you know what I mean? Little bits of joy, the little pick yeah, me up. Yeah, yeah. Do we neglect that that side of they, it? They've termed it now glimmers, you know, little things that pick <laughs> us up, right? That's kind of the glimmers. Okay. But, but you know, I don't use that term personally. But what I'm saying is, if, if you think of it this way, if you woke up every morning before we reach for the phone or anything else, there's nothing wrong with the phone, obviously, but before, before we do anything and we say, right, what's the one thing I can do today that might help me and even somebody else that might put a smile on my face? How small would it be? It could be buying somebody a coffee. Now, if you get into a habit of that, it become it compounds over time. Yeah. You will elevate your emotional state. Neuroscience backs this up categorically. Those little things done frequently is what ultimately defines who, how we feel. And going back to the identity piece, when we start to live our life according to who we, what we value and what we believe, well, what happens is that influences what we think and it influences how we feel. And over time, you will see the change. Chloe changed her life within about five months because she just changed the whole mindset towards what do I want and what gives me the spark. Okay. You mentioned it um, earlier, different types of being stuck. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about being mentally stuck. Yeah. And getting free from that. Yeah, the first. whole what ifs, the overthinking, the rumination, catastrophic. Th- we were all guilty of it all at some point in life, right? We can all relate to it. And we can get stuck in our head. And we get stuck in our head a lot of the time because of fear. You know, we're projecting into what's going to happen and down the road, what's happening and so forth. But if you want to change what, should we say, is playing, change the, the, the record. Start saying, so what, to the what ifs. So oh, what if that happens? Well, so what if it does, I'll get through it. And a great way we can do that is if we harness that we've gotten through things before that we feared and most fears generally don't come through. So if we just say, well, you know, so what to that? Oh, listen, what if you know the country blows up tomorrow? Well, listen, you know, so what? I'll sort of deal with that because it's fiction until it's fact. So don't make it fact when it's only in your head because as long as it's between your ears, it's fiction. Mm-hmm. And I know these worries can be really serious stuff. Yeah. I thought I was dying. So I know what that's like. So I've lived that. But I remember saying, well, you know what? Sure, if I die, I can't control it, but I can do, I look at what I can control and that's what I'll keep my eye on. And I'll start focusing on what is fact as opposed to fiction. You know, my heart is not in failure mode and that's, but in my head, I'm making it that, oh, what if it's my heart? What if it's my heart? It turned out it wasn't my heart, but it just triggered off this cataclysmic um, anxiety in me for yeah. a long period of time. And as a, as, as a grown, you know, professional, working with professionals and helping companies and teams, you know, the last thing you wanted to do is say, I'm afraid that if I get a palpitation, I could be dying. You don't talk about it. So that's why I had to ask myself, mm. well, how am I really? And let's deal with this. And that's where it began. But you can get stuck in your head. But, but if you go back to every morning and start saying, who am I going to be today? Am I going to be afraid of the what ifs? Or am I going to say, so what to the what ifs? But this is what I'm going to focus on because this gives me joy. And when you make that decision in the morning and you do that for a period of time, Every day won't be easy, but watch the change it'll have on your overall self. Let's talk about being love stuck. Uh, we got a lot of people on yeah. the show uh, talking about this. Callers, contributors all the time. I don't yeah. know what it is. But can you tell me a bit about the cocaine and heartbreak study? What's so, that? So, yeah, a study was done and basically they, they likened it to, basically they said what, affects us, you know, neurologically and biologically. Yeah. How does heartbreak actually affect us? So they got people who'd gone through, who'd been on the receiving end of a breakup. So the person told them, look, it's over. It's not you, it's me or whatever, but the breakup. They got them to sit in an MRI machine with a picture of their ex, right? Oh God. Yeah, right. Think of this. Yeah. And, the, and the breakup had to be within a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all these parameters. And they did this study and it's quite well documented now. 
and they looked at parts of the brain that would light up the neurotransmitters and so on. They're saying, what's going on? Like, this is, this is how their brain is reacting when they look at this picture and they're thinking about the relationship that's now gone. We need to find out what kind of, should we say, um, recreates this. And they said, people withdrawing from cocaine is the same parts of the brain that light up as the person who's going through a breakup. So that need for that next, should we say, cocaine fix and cocaine specifically, mm-hmm. because they were saying my dopamine is gone. You know, they were my dopamine, they were my sure. serotonin, they were my feel good and they're yeah. gone now. And there's a despair that sets in and the brain literally shows it and lights up the same as someone coming off cocaine. So when someone says heartbreak, it's visceral, not just mental or emotional. You feel it. And also when your ma says your time is a healer, she's not wrong. No, there's a lot of truth. you need to go cold turkey with that fella or well, that missus. And then, you know, time, time is going to make it a little easier. The, but it, it and we can never see past tomorrow. You know, we think yeah, today is true. the pain. But, you know, time is, time is the healer. But perspective is also a great thing. Yeah. And saying that, I, you know, I always go back to keep it simple. You know what? You may not know what's going to happen tomorrow, or what you're going to do or how you're going to get through the pain. But what you lean into is hope, not despair. And say, I don't know how I'll get through it, but I will. And I refuse to give up. And that's all you start with that decision and give it time. And there's other stuff in the book that I discuss, some practical stuff on how to how to actually get over a breakup. There's like 10 steps in there. Oh, good. So that's it's all very it. helpful. Amazing. <laughs> Just a, a couple more questions. Sure. What does PDF mean in your world? Physical dialogue focus. So basically PDF is, it's, it's a handy way to, uh, to remember it. Whenever you're feeling, you know, dare I use the word triggered or emotionally heightened, whether it be yeah. angry, upset or anxious, PDF became a tool. It's where I physically move. What they found was that when we move, when we're in a state of an emotion, right, we tend to sit in an emotion. We physically sit in it, right? We hold that position. But when we physically move, the brain can't focus on everything now on that emotional state. It has to focus on you literally moving. So you're taking some of its energy away, right? So it's like a pathway interruption, okay? Uh, The D is for dialogue. Watch what you're saying to yourself and change it. And start saying, no, I'm not going to listen to that now. I'll move. Say it out loud if you have to. And F is for a new focus. So it's a way of shifting from going down a rabbit trail of emotion. Because if you sit with a worry for long enough, it becomes a mountain. So it's a way of interrupting that. It's one of the basic tools I start with in the very beginning of the book. And then we build on that with other techniques. Now, we've talked before on the show about the importance of finding a reputable life coach. Can I ask you a little bit about your work with the BBC last year? Yeah, so I got an email one day thinking it's spam, going, that couldn't be from the BBC. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it was from certain researchers who I'd know, and I, like, as in they're well known, I didn't know them personally. So, anyway, long story short, they wanted me to come on board and they did their homework on me and so forth. And they got me to do coaching with some of their researchers, which, you know, they're, they're going to be very skeptical. So I knew that. So it was really, really good, actually. It was an excellent experience. And so what they wanted me to do was to be their life coach reference for a documentary on unearthing, should we say, life coach practices that were deemed almost cultish or, you know, sinister and so forth. And so they wanted me to kind of be their ballast. I'm like, now, would a life coach do this really? Or what do you think of this? We've come across that. So I was there as an advisor, life coach capacity. The amazing thing is they never told me what they were investigating. So it was always, I, I was always like, what are you actually investigating? <laughs> like, it could be anything you can imagine. So I was like, you know, what will this be? Um, it came out, it was on BBC One, BBC Two, all the BBCs, and it became also a, a podcast, um, is, uh, which was called a, a Very British Cult. So uh, I'm on there. So it was uh, fascinating. I didn't even know that's what they were going to call it, but there you go. How did you get into life coaching? I got into life coaching, or I'm going to use the word organically. I, I used to work with young adults and, you know, um, in, from rough areas that didn't sure. have college, had yeah. nothing really. And I worked with one particular guy and I said, you know what? what's the plan for the future? Well, my mother said, if I live beyond 21, I'll have more than my brother because her, his brother overdosed the week of his 21st. 
And he says, so I just want to get past 21. And I said, what do you love to do? And he says, oh, well, I'm always looking after my family and so forth. And he was ahead of a bit of a, a ringleader of a gang. Anyway, fast forward, did a lot of work with him. Fast forward, lost track. A few years later, I'm walking into the RDS. He walks towards me and he says, you changed my life by believing in me because no one else did. He says, I got out of that area. I have a house. I'm head of security here now. There's no better, man. And Because uh, he says, I know them all. So, so he said, and I said at that moment, I'll do this for the rest of my life. And I was a business coach then. And then I went into, so basically what I do is, I work with individuals, teams, companies, groups, and so forth. Um, and I've, I started sharing what I know on Instagram and then just blew up. And yeah, I've been mad busy for the last, I'm doing okay. this for 20 years now. <laughs> 20 years, just a little old time. And now you have a book, it's called Breakthrough. Yeah. Practical Steps from Moving from Stuck to Unstoppable. It's been a pleasure to have you Thank in. You. Thank you so much for joining me. If people want to find you on Instagram, where can they go? Markfennel.ie and the website is markfennel.ie. There we go. Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit leahhealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always.